I soon realized that being more than passion, more than expertise, it was a value system that, if when matched, really took us a long way together. And if didn't, you know, we just fall apart. And so now I think that's my biggest criteria. You know, first piece is are you a cultural match or not? Do we align on our values? Then we go to expertise and experience because you know you may be amazing, but I don't really want a brilliant jerk on my team who does not align with what you know we care about or how we want to do it. Hello and welcome to the Startup Operator Podcast. I'm Roshan Karyapa. Rashi Narang is the founder and CEO of Heads Up for Tails, a pet accessories brand that she started way back in 2008 when the category was almost inexistent. A Heads Up for Tails has done phenomenally well since. They're clocking over 100 crores in revenues. They have over 50 plus stores across India, and they recently raised Series A funding of 37 million dollars. In this conversation, we trace Rashi's journey from identifying a niche. To building out a category all by herself, there are plenty of insights in this conversation on product branding and distribution that could be really useful to you. So let's check out this episode of the Startup Operator Podcast with Rashi Narang. Hey Rashi, welcome to the Startup Operator Podcast. Thank you so much for making the time. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited for our conversation. Yeah, I've been really looking forward to uh, this conversation. You know, I've heard the founding story of Heads Up for Tails, and it's super inspiring. You got a new pup. Sarah and you try to find products for a birthday, get super frustrated by all of the lack of options, and so you start creating some of these products yourself. When did you think that this could actually turn into a real business? I ask this because pet products and accessories at the time that you started was not even a category, right? Yes, I think first uh, couple of years were really hard. There, you know, there really wasn't a customer at all, and uh, people were wondering why they needed some of this merchandise. They hadn't ever seen it before. They hadn't ever been exposed to it before, and a lot of them said, "Look, we've had dogs all our life. You know, we've never used any of these products." And so it was a lot of building education, awareness about how our lives have changed, how dogs that were running free or had large spaces or had a lot of stimulation for all of their senses, whether it was variety in food, whether it was variety in play or walking areas or so many things that they were doing differently and now dogs are confined to small apartments with the same walk path and the same walk routine and many times the same food and really nothing to stimulate them and and nothing no one was really focusing on their nutrition their wellness understanding the breeds and the species for who they are and what they really need so it's taken many many years i started out really tiny home grown and it was so small for so long roshan and then i think i started to see but i always i think that i knew that some, we were way ahead of the market and some day it will catch up and it's now started too so it's been a very very long wait uh, and quite a difficult one yeah it's certainly hard right when you don't have anyone else to compare yourself to and it's a slow trickle at the beginning do you have some advice for people who are early in a category you know how do they develop conviction and how do they keep plugging away at their idea <laughs> I think you need a lot of patience and perseverance for one you know because I think people start with big dreams but I feel like they give up too soon and sometimes when you're early you just need to wait it out you need to persevere you need to keep building on you know your dream and I think that you know what you what I did was I took the time to really build a very solid foundation um which meant that you know building out products testing them out 
building relationships with our customers, trying to really gain a lot of insights through design thinking, through empathy-led conversations, understanding their pain points, their challenges, understanding what is really going on. And no matter where you are in your journey, there's always so much that you can do, whether it's strengthening your front end, your back end, your supply chain, you know, just laying a solid foundation so that when the time comes and it's time to sort, you really have done all the groundwork. So hang in there is what I'd say and, and continue to persevere and build this one brick at a time if, if that's where you're at in your journey. Right. And uh, what makes the story even more incredible is that Heads Up for Tales is a premium brand in a niche category, right? So that's like subset of a subset. Did you ever think that you should perhaps, you know, widen your total addressable market, maybe go down market a bit, work on some other types of products and so on? Yes, absolutely. In fact, we have done that over the last couple of years. So we did start out extremely niche really top of the pyramid but over the last couple of years we've really gone down that pyramid tried to reach out to many more customer segments introduced a lot of new price points different products just trying to it was just too small and we wouldn't have been able to survive if we had not done that so it's been quite nice to see that growth come in by you know widening our product offerings and also just, you know, just this where we're opening our stores, how we're running our ads, just the audiences that we're targeting, we're definitely trying to open up the funnel. Right. And through all of these trials and tribulations, right, during the early days and years, perhaps, there's always one or two believers, right? I mean, uh, can you think of those instances where uh, somebody or something happened and, you know, that kind of reinforced your conviction a little more? Because I know that it was pretty hard for you, right? I mean, you've spoken about being rejected by more than 200 retailers, right, pet stores and so on. And there's also this story of you relocating to Singapore in between, right? And you had to manage the business remotely. My gosh, I mean, that would have been really, really tough right so yeah who were the believers and what were those you know key moments when you kind of realized that yeah this is it i think that there were lots of cheerleaders along the way friends family customers who said look this is lovely it's helped me change my relationship with my pet or deepen it or hey my pet has felt better because of xyz product so all of those were really big moments but i'll tell you that I think the biggest thing that we all have to start doing is tuning inwards a little more and listening to our own gut and the gut speaks so softly that you can barely hear it you really have to like <laughs> and so i think that despite the cheerleaders the days were so hard and i just felt so helpless many times about you know how do i make this happen but i think it was that little voice that kept me going on and i'm so grateful for you know all of the support even the early angel investors who decided to back us, so many friends and families who chose to support us, customers who chose to buy from us. And it was all those little, little, little moments that added up to something and just kept me going. So yes, it is special. So what is your advice to you know folks who are listening? And I'm sure plenty of them have ideas of their own that they want to turn into businesses, but they're you know stuck in their ideating or the spreadsheet phase right how can you know one convert their passion into a business i believe that more than defining your what or rather before defining your what and how you need to define your why what is it that you really what is the larger impact that you want to make why do you really want to do it because most businesses start with the what and they say okay here's what i want to do and here's how i'm going to do it but why do you want to do this i think a lot of people miss that and a lot of people miss 
thinking about their larger mission their larger vision and on difficult days and on difficult periods and that every business goes through it's really the why that keeps you waking up and getting out of bed and and you know moving on so yes those spreadsheets are so important and those business plans are so important for you to define and really detail out but spend some time on what do you really want to do I and mean, why do you really want to do this and then of course a lot of things will start to flow right so you sound a lot like a product person right very passionate about the problem that you're trying to solve and so on did you have to learn up all of the other stuff you know i mean the the more boring stuff or did you have like a natural flair for that kind of stuff as well oh gosh no <laughs> not at all i am more of a creative person and so i think my strengths are really on that side when it comes to stores design experience packaging product and i absolutely do not like some parts of the business like accounting and finance and compliances and all of that just takes away my energy it does not fill me up at all and so i think that those were the teams that i started to hire for first so that i could spend my time doing what i know best and really having other experts who thrive on excel sheets and thrive with on you know numbers to really come in and look after those parts that i didn't believe i was i was that good at right and every founder makes those early hiring mistakes right sometime or the other right what do you learn from those mistakes and how do you hire uh, people in your organization today what are what is something that is super important for you when we started out we couldn't get a lot of talent who wanted to move into the pet industry you know people just hadn't heard of it even now people think that they're going to be working at the back of a pet shop they can't visualize that there is actually more infrastructure there's a head office there's teams around this and so um, i think initially i just started to hire people who showed a little bit of passion towards pets but i soon realized that i think more than passion more than expertise it was a value system that if when matched really took us a long way together and if didn't you know we just fall apart and so now i think that's my biggest criteria you know first piece is are you a cultural match or not to be aligned on our values then we go to expertise and experience because you know you may be amazing but i don't really want a brilliant jerk on my team who does not align with what you know we care about or how we want to do it so you may be amazing at what you do but that is so so important to us and so our first screening is culture and i think that holds us definitely in good stead and is working and even with that we're constantly refining what kind of questions do we ask what are we really looking for how do we probe deeper and we still make mistakes but i think that we're getting much much better at understanding who we want and i think it's just a journey because also you may screen for culture but then the second level of expertise it keeps changing at different points in your journey and you know there are people that somebody who stay a team that may take you from 0 to 1 may not be the team that can take you from 1 to 3 or 1 to 5 or you know 5 to 10 and so you know i think that um we're really looking for people who can be lifelong learners low ego curious of course passionate and empathetic and who you know really care about the cause but those who really want to stay on the top of their game because businesses are evolving so fast and um, right so you have to be so agile so adaptable and just really on top of what is going on in your field to really be out there and and do a good job so 
lots of moving parts there, but hoping to constantly work on getting better on hiring. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you can get your early team to scale, then that is the dream, right? I mean, seriously. So let's talk a little bit about customer acquisition. You know, how do you get your first few customers during the early days and how has that changed at various stages of the journey itself, right? So maybe you could talk about the early customers and then talk about how things changed when you hit maybe a crore in revenue, then 10 crores and 50 crores and so on. Sure. First, early early first customers were all from our pop-up stores. We started taking part in Diwali exhibition, then Christmas fairs, just to test the product, uh, stay close to the customers, get a lot of feedback and, you know, just understand what's, what's happening there. And so first many hundred customers really were from there. And then I think as we started to open our stores, many more customers came into the, into the fold from you know the stores. We also did start the online piece back in 2008, uh, but I think it was slow. Uh, it wasn't really an area of focus for many years. So it was it was running, but it wasn't you know where we were spending a lot of time. And I think that changed uh, with COVID. And there was just so much more emphasis there. So it's been exciting to scale that digital piece and and reach so many customers that we don't know physically that you know and, and build relationships with them in a very different manner so yes that's how the acquisition piece has been going on we've been telling stories sharing a lot of our education with customers to add value to their lives so that you know their can, their relationship with their pets can become better through social media and any other channels that we can find so there has been acquisition through all of these different spaces, you know, the online piece, the social piece, brand awareness across, you know, stores, events, community efforts, etc. Great. So let's talk about retail, you know, uh, because I think you don't have a background in retail. So that's something that you've figured out through first principles. And I'm sure a lot of the audience who are listening as well don't really have a background in retail as well. So what works in retail, you know, what, um, when, when do you know whether a store will work or not? Or what are those preconditions for choosing to invest in a store? I think we have learned that biggest rule in retail is location, location, location. Of course. <laughs> it's an old principle. But every time that we have defied it, we have lost and we have gone wrong. And it has just taken so long to build up that store and get people to know about it and get that audience to come. And, you know, where we picked strong prime locations those are the stores that do the best for us uh, so i think yes that's the first rule in retail and there's a reason why it's globally known so anyone who's looking to do that that's really the first thing that you should consider where can a lot of people see you where can you be located so that it's convenient for people to come uh, for a category like us you know we've tried malls we've tried high streets we've tried neighborhood markets where people would come for their everyday stuff and all of them seem to work in, in different ways. And, you know, the mix product mix is slightly different. The customer is slightly different. So it's been very interesting to understand that part as well. Right. You're different from the conventional D2C brands that we see today in, the, in that you are doing the reverse journey, right? From offline to online, because I kind of get it. I think, you know, it's a very differentiated experience. People aren't really looking Per se, I mean, it's more of an indulgence as well. So it's very hard to translate that experience online effectively, right? So how are you bringing that experience online right now? 
um so you're right when you say that you know we are doing you know we were focused on more online and i think oh, sorry more offline and the reason for that was you know we created so many new products which are india first so people aren't really searching for them they're not searching for you know any of these or at least they weren't searching for any of these products and so we had to create that experience where we allowed them to come in and to discover a lot of these new products and talk to them about you know where are they struggling how can we help and i think that now because we've been around for a while and people are familiar with many of these products the online piece has been easier the store network has also grown so the online again you know people are familiar with the brand they may come once and then they start to order their regular essentials but online i think that you know the exciting part is that you can feel that you have so much more details you have so much more space like in our stores we have to curate and you know even online we curate but there's only so much physical product that you can add to an online to an offline store but online you know our catalogs can be bigger the journeys can be a little bit more different you know based on whether it's breed or concern or price points or what you know life stage your dog is at or cat is at so it's just interesting to be able to make slightly different journeys and more personalized journeys for customers which we are anyway doing at the retail level because our you know we have quite a large repeat audience our store team knows a lot of our customers by first name they know their dogs and cats and we really want to be able to bring that personalized experience online for which we are really trying to figure out a couple of things to and make that happen right and when you grow from let's say 60 to 100 stores or maybe 200 stores someday will you add franchises and work with partners and so on and so forth i'm curious because again that will mean a different sort of a, a challenge as well in terms of retaining the experience right yes so we actually did start a franchise model a couple of years ago and some of our cities are uh, are following the franchise model and again with the partner selection we've been extremely picky just making sure again there's massive alignment on the value system so you know we've gotten hundreds of applications and i think we just have three or four partners for now uh, but i think that we do want to be able to control the experience more and strengthen it more so for the time being we're pausing it and letting our partners run the cities that they have uh, but going into new cities ourselves rather than you know advertising and, and going down the right in retail i'm always curious about how people add new products or skews right i mean because you're a creative person i'm sure that you know you get hundreds of ideas uh, every week or every month right so how do you kind of filter the the ones that will ultimately be successful from the others that are nice interesting ones but you somehow feel that they won't really add to the top line so do you have like a process or methodology for that i often say that i think the biggest advantage that a startup has is the ability to fail fast Like you don't have to go through layers of approvals and many many people's sanctioning of budgets and etc etc. You know, like you have in MNCs, for them to launch a new product is like a big process, right? And startups have the ability to just try something, see how it does. Is it working or not? If it's not, you know, close it and move on. If it is, great. So I think with a lot of our products, we've worked on, you know, and we still continue to really. connect with our customers ask them what's happening in their in those journeys they're not going to tell us i need this product that's very rarely happened but for example someone may talk about struggles with a senior dog someone may talk may talk about skin issues someone may talk about 
smelly doggies someone may talk about bored dogs and destructive dogs and then you know we're able to take that back to the drawing board and say okay uh, here are issues how may we solve them with a the product so lots of design thinking from there and again sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but that's the fun so when we're launching something we just do a quick test to see you know how deep does this go small collection may you know sometimes it's surprised us and both ways uh, positively and negatively you know where we thought oh my god this is such a great idea and not very many takers and then the reverse as well so i think uh, failing fast is so powerful and we should all totally leverage that so much more than we No, that's a great point. Actually, that's the single biggest differentiator that startups have over some of the larger brands, right? So, with some of the new consumer brands, we're seeing this convergence of content, community, and commerce, right? And considering that you were early in a category and you had to really educate people about the options available uh, and so on, so you also invested a lot in content and, of course, community as well. I mean. you know the pet's name you know the pet parents name so on and so forth right so how are you nurturing that community going forward lots of ideas uh, some of them came to a halt during covid and we're slowly starting to open them up so for us the community piece really is about uh, letting more pet parents also help each other you know bringing them together in several ways uh, in in ways like you know bringing them across events and allowing them to connect to each other for so many different reasons uh it's about really building content like you said that can add value and help people with answers because i think pet parenting um there's so much to learn in that in that journey so i think both of these pieces are so very important for us um and then the other piece that is super important for us is our foundation piece where what we want to do is build out a lot of volunteers that can help us with our efforts and we do a lot of work around feeding uh, street dogs reflective collar drives adoption i think what we want to do is just bring all of these passionate people together whether it's for connecting and helping with their own dogs or helping for a larger purpose and so uh, you know we're working on an app as well that can can help uh, people to connect more on a tech platform but also We really want to go out there and do many, many more events that can bring people together in person. So I think there's nothing that replaces that magic. Right, right. And what else have you planned for the future? You know, I mean, if you look at the next eighteen to twenty-four months, let's say in terms of expansion, new products or categories, and so on. We want to continue to do the omni-channel piece. I think it's exciting for us, and we really love that balance of online and offline. So we want to go on to opening many, many more stores. we want to strengthen our online piece with a lot more tech functionalities intelligence personalization you know so that no matter who you are i'm able to really tailor my offering to you if you come on to the website like i mentioned we're working on an app uh, we're working on a lot more uh, products as well including pet food and many other exciting things that are in the pipeline so lots to look forward to um, you know also strengthening our back end and our supply chain because you may be the best business with the greatest idea but if you don't have a solid supply chain you will just keep losing and i think that it's really supply chains that compete in a business so a lot of our focus is going to strengthen it strengthen that as well so lots of lots of things to look forward to lots of work to be done <laughs> very excited about it all 
Amazing. At every stage of the business, right, the founder has to evolve themselves to meet the challenge for, uh, you know, the new uh, expansion or whatever else, right? So what are some things that you are personally working on uh, to improve yourself? Oh, gosh, I'm always in learning mode. Uh, and I make it a point that I'm really tuned in into all the R&D that's happening in the pet world across the globe, whether it's in food, nutrition, lifestyle, uh, grooming, uh, you know, what are the new products, what are the new ingredients that are coming up. So, for example, you know, something uh, in the hemp became really popular over the last two years. It's natural and, you know, uh, it went across grooming and uh, food and treats. And so there's so much going on. So always be tuned in there. Uh, I definitely try to do one to two courses about deepening my own expertise when it comes to animals in particular and constantly reading learning from so many people out there you know reading is really my most favorite thing ever and i really enjoy a big width of subjects whether it's fiction non-fiction personal growth uh, you know spirituality so many different things and so i think just learning in general just gives renews my sense of hope and uh, just kind of going and so that's really my thing to constantly fill up my energy and uh, I, I believe that the day you stop learning you, you really stop growing so no matter how where you are in your journey I hope that everybody can take the time out to learn and reflect and think about their experiences and what are they learning from it so that they can keep working not just on the intellectual but also on the emotional on the heart center and there's so much for us to manage, so many people, so many emotions, so, many, so much stress. And I believe that that development and learning needs to be very, very wholesome and not just intellectual. Yeah, couldn't agree more. So one of the questions we ask all the entrepreneurs who come on the podcast is that, you know, what are some secrets of the domain that you operate in that are only visible to those who have uh, operated in, in that domain for many, many years, right? So what are those secrets in the pet care market, for example? What are some things that are not as intuitive for someone looking from the outside? I think it's a category with a lot of emotional intelligence and it needs to connect to the emotion. Uh, not just to the product and sales. You know, as a pet parent, when you connect with that emotion of pet parenting, which can be quite a challenging journey, there are ups and downs. I believe that it just connects you deeper to the customer. So I would say for us, I, I believe it's that. Because I see a lot of businesses, and it's not that they don't do well, but I, I still believe that to really succeed in this in the long run, there is a lot of emotional portion. Right. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, you need to have that perspective, right? To think about anything. I mean, whether it's product or marketing or anything else. So this has been a fun chat, uh, Rashi. And to end things, uh, you know, what are some books or podcasts that you would recommend? I have just been newly listening to Jay Shetty on purpose. That's a really nice one. I love Robin Sharma. I think he is just phenomenal with the content and the insights and the ex expertise that he brings to the table. I listen to a couple of doggy ones as well, just again to understand what's going on in that space. Books, <laughs> so many, so, so many. I, I just finished reading a lovely one called The Journey Home. Such a beautiful narish, uh, narrative of an American young boy who comes to India in search of more. 
and it was such a nice read i really really enjoyed it that was a just top of mind and i one of my most favorite books is the boy the dog the fox the mole and the horse i don't know if i've said it in the right order it's the simplest book roshan but if you get your hands on it it's the it's just incredible the simplicity of it is just incredible so uh, very hard for me to pick books because always by my bedside there will be four or five that i'm really you know enjoying deeply but i hope you know, these are just few that are top of mind that i'm sharing here awesome so thank you again rashi really really appreciate your time this was a, a fun chat yeah thanks again uh, for making time for this thank you thank you so much for taking the time out and bringing me on the podcast loved our conversation today thank you for listening to another episode of the startup operator podcast uh, we put out a couple of episodes every week and a roundup where we talk about the news and events from the indian startup ecosystem do share all of this content with your fellow startup operators uh, it could be valuable and insightful for them also before you leave uh, follow us on social media we're on linkedin and twitter and subscribe to our whatsapp newsletter if you want all of this content delivered to your inbox thank you and have a great day